Hi, my name is Ashley. I'm a writer producer and my throat is dry. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, my name is Kelly. Um, self-proclaimed book nerd, writer, and I am just excited to talk about this book, The Concrete Rose. I'm really pumped actually about this episode. Hey y'all, and welcome back to the Books We Should Have Read podcast, the show on a mission to get adults who typically aren't into reading into reading through the exploration of Black literary classics. This pod is an extension to the BWSR community, and you can find our complete book list for this season at booksweshouldhavered.com. Tune in each episode as we discuss what we liked and disliked about these reads and whether or not they're worth your time. Let's summarize. I'm going to lean on you to summarize this one because you're so fucking good at it. (laughs) Okay, so a summary of Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas. This is the prequel to The Hate You Give. Um, So the way that Angie set it up is you read The Hate You Give first and then you read Concrete Rose. And Concrete Rose is the story of Maverick Carter, who is Star Carter's father. He, um, He has a very, you know, great character he's a very great he's a great character in the hate you give um and concrete rose we are going back in time and we are spending about i would say like a year and a half in maverick's life between the ages of 17 and 18 um because this was a pivotal point in his life a lot of changes happen he becomes a teen father um to, to a child he experiences great loss it, but also growth. I think that's the theme with Angie's books is what I'm finding is just the character growth is phenomenal. And you just root for these characters and just um, you follow Maverick who is trying his hardest. Like he is kind of at this crossroads, right? And he has, he can go right or he can go left. And he is trying his hardest to make the right decision for not only himself, but for his new baby and for his future. And I think it's just such a beautiful story where we get to witness what he decides and how he gets there, because it's not an easy choice. Like none of the choices he makes are easy, nor are they simple. And then when you think about the fact that he is only 17 when this starts, you're just like, how? Like the resilience and the strength of him, I think it's so commendable. Highly recommend. I can't wait for you guys to read this book and let us know what you think. And if you haven't read it yet, go out, grab grab it, go to your library, go buy it, um, support your local bookstore if you can, pick it up and just let us know what you think. But I think this is going to be a solid read for a lot of people. And I think people will enjoy it. Um, Cool. So the list of characters, I guess we could start with Maverick because like this book is actually you can finally go full fledged fangirl. I know we restrained you in the hate you give episode, but please girl, let that fangirl flag fly. I know. <laughs> I was trying so hard not to give too much insight into Maverick's character because Mm -hmm. um, after reading The Concrete Rose, okay, but I'm just going to say it like this. Well, I'll I'll just re-remind, re-remind what? I'll just remind everyone that I watched The Hate You Give when it came out Mm -hmm. and then I read Concrete Rose. So you and I, we read them out of, out of, well, you read them in the right order that Angie meant for readers to read them with the hate you give first. And then you read the prequel, Mm -hmm. which goes back in time. And then I read Concrete Rose. Well, I saw the movie. 
Then I read Concrete Heroes and then I read The Hate You Give. So going into The Hate You Give, I had a whole new um, understanding for this dynamic character and a lot of background. Um, I love Maverick so fucking much. It is not even funny. Maverick like seriously exposed my daddy wound to like on a whole other level. Yeah. Like I always knew that like growing up without my biological father bothered me. Right. But I didn't know how much it impacted my life until I read this novel. Like afterwards I was walking around the house for weeks, like moping, saying shit like, oh, I wish I had a dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> Don't. You guys, I'm not trying to laugh, but Ashley's, Ashley's face when she says this. Babe. I know. I know. But I appreciated Maverick so much. But anyway, 17, the book starts when he's 17 years old. Yeah. He lives in Garden Heights. He is a king lord. Mm -hmm. um, he joined the gang um, for protection because he is the son of Big Don, who was the crown of the king lord. So the head yeah. of the gang that he's a part of. But Big Don went away to prison when he was a young boy. And so now the crown of the king lords is it dre is dre the crown um or is it sean it's, i believe it's i believe it's neither of them i think dre and sean just are over the as they call them the little homies because they're considered the big the homies, homies and then there's people above mm -hmm. them um, Ah, okay that's okay, like, that's that. what i got yeah yeah so maverick um is a young 17-year-old boy. Um, mm -hmm. And we enter the book just as he finds out that he is the father of baby... Uh, is it baby... It's not baby seven. So baby king. We find... Yeah. So I would say, yeah, for sure. We That's how we start the book is like the, the earliest scenes is just basically... Maverick at the clinic waiting for the paternity results back from this infant baby um, who up until this point was assumed to be Maverick's best friend King's son. He's even named after King um, because it's King's girlfriend who had the baby. Um, but and Long story, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So yeah, so <laughs> I describe Maverick as... This is going to like might sound corny, but I describe him as the truth. He is like all that is like he's so true to himself, so true to his journey and where he wants to go and where he wants to see himself. And as you read the book, you will see that there are so many options he could have taken and so many routes that were that seemed easier that he didn't take. Because to your point, Ashley, um, you know, especially in our black communities, unfortunately, a, a lot of people grow up without fathers. And Seven could have easily got that paternity test and been like, okay, well, good luck. Oh, Seven, mm. sorry. King could have, e oh, gosh, Maverick could have easily gotten that paternity <laughs> test and been like, all right, well, good luck, girl, with that baby. See you never. And he mm. immediately took responsibility 
And I just think that that is so great. And I think that the baby who we can guess, we now can call seven because he does get his name changed is Maverick's purpose. He is his purpose for everything. Once Maverick takes yeah. responsibility, he's like, okay, I have to do this for my child. Like I have to make sure my child is good. I can't depend on my mom. My mom needs help too. And he's just trying to figure it all out. And he's still 17. Yeah. Like the decisions he's he ma- he's making, I can't even make them decisions at 30. Girl, I listen. Okay. But, oh, I'm so happy you brought that up because also Aisha leaves him no choice. So, which enter in a new character, Aisha, who is King's girlfriend. And so, um, and and baby king now sevens mom um and so how angie describes it in the story is um maverick only had sex with aisha one time but it was right after he had a serious breakup with his boo thing and he was sad um and his best friend king was just like well let me do something for you and so king kind of just passed Aisha off to Maverick um, to get down that one time resulted in Baby King it now seven once, paternity. Guys. It only takes once. It only takes once. Listen, we could get into it, but I'm not trying to right now. But um so yeah, they get the paternity test and Aisha and her mom um leave Baby King with Maverick at the clinic. She just leaves a diaper bag filled with like clothes and like disappears when they go, when Maverick and his mom go, Faye, go to change the baby's diaper. So at 17 years old, he's not only a father, but now he is like this, this child's only parent. Um, And so it really just takes single parenting to a whole nother level. Yeah, man. It was like the decision was definitely made for him and he stepped up to the plate. Mm. Oh, I love this man. Okay. So we did (laughs) Maverick, King, Aisha. Um, I guess this is a good time to talk about Maverick's boo thing, who in this novel is also Lisa. Do you want to Lisa? Yes. Um, So Lisa is Maverick's first love. She is a basketball player. She is a student athlete, like a great athlete, a great student. She's got her head on as as you know, as adults would say, she got a head on straight. She is, you know, she has these dreams. She wants to go to university and she her goal and her dream is to make something of herself. Um and she really really loves Maverick and they care about each other so much and she also wants what's best for Maverick. Like her dream for him is to get out of Garden Heights, go to college and just become become something more than what people are expecting of him. And that's what mm-hmm. I think I love about Lisa so much is that even at such a young age, she tells Maverick constantly and reinforces that you are more than your father's son and you are more than this King Lord's gang. Like she despises it because she knows how great of a... A person he is and how great of a man he can be like she sees that for him before he sees it for himself Mm -hmm. and they're so young and she's just that I think she's just that pivotal 
like one of those pivotal characters in the book that, you know, is so needed. And mm. I just adore their relationship so much. Mm-hmm. Next to Lisa, we also have Carlos, <laughs> who is Lisa's older brother. And I, I'm just going to mention him briefly. He absolutely despises um, Maverick, thinks he's terrible for his sister and thinks that he's really going to ruin Lisa's life. Um, And I guess we could talk about Lisa's mom too, who is no nonsense, but she is a theater teacher, very dramatic. We don't really need to go too far into it, but just when Lisa gets pregnant by Maverick, she kicks Lisa out of the house. Um, So she's that type of like no nonsense figure. Yeah. And then to me, uh, a very important character that we should bring up is Dre. He is Mm. Maverick's, I called him, you know, he's Maverick's older cousin, but he's also his confidant. He's his support system. He's his friend. He's his brother. He is, I think he was also the catalyst for Maverick to make sure he was on the, like a right path. Like, cause Andre is, you know, although he is also in this gang, he is a great family man. He has a fiance and a young daughter and he takes care of them and just puts them first and family first. And Maverick wants to be like his older cousin, right? Because his father has been in jail since he was eight. So Andre or Dre is literally his big brother slash father figure. Mentor? Mentor, just a father figure to him too. Like, so in his eyes, he's like, like, okay, I think my cousin is a good man and he's a good man because of all these things that he does. Um, And that is how I can be a good man too, is, is being there for my family and making sure I'm there for my child. Um, So I think he is just, and he's also a pivotal part of this story of Maverick's character growth. Um, And also want to talk about Mr. Wyatt. He owns the local Mm. grocery store and he becomes a huge part of Maverick's life. He's a deacon at a church. He's a loving husband. He was a foster father. Him and Mrs. Wyatt raised so many foster kids. They are like pillars in the community. They're always looking out for the kids in the community and um, Maverick's relationship with him is so beautiful. And I love like the little uh, tidbits we get through Concrete Rose because in The Hate You Give, Maverick keeps a garden. He's obsessed with his rose bushes. And we kind of learn about where that all came from in The Concrete Rose through his relationship with Mr. Wyatt. So I think those are the characters. I mean, well, obviously, if you have any other ones that you want to... No, I I looked up because I'm like thinking. I think that we like. I think those are the main ones. Like we we'll talk about other ones throughout the book as they come up. But like to me, those are the main characters. Did we want to make mention of Faye right now or no? We can wait. I think we can wait. I mean, Faye is Maverick. You you already know why I want to bring it up. Oh gosh, (laughs) Ashley's like (laughs) a pivotal point, a spoiler, and it's just like, girl, it ain't really spoiler alert, guys. Not really, but Faye is Maverick's mother, single mom, hard worker, and she also keeps Maverick in line because she's like, uh, uh, like you were gonna raise this baby, you're gonna be taking care of him. I'm not going to be babysitting for you all day, every day. This is your responsibility. And I love that about her. Even, even, and she was like that even before Aisha just like dipped on the baby. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. She was already like that. So 
Those are the characters I have. Wait, do you hear that? That silence could be filled with an advertisement for your new product or brand. Email us at info at booksweshouldhavered.com if you'd like to be a sponsor for and have your ad placed within the Books We Should Have Read podcast. We can't wait to welcome you to the family. So it is, I think it is, it is extremely important to know, and I'm not sure you said this in the um, summary or not, but this book takes place in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. So 98, um, the book opens at the summer of 98. Um, and so culturally for our community, like that is such an important um stage in black culture that is when Tupac was popping um you just think of the fashion you just think of the music that they're listening to um the the level of consciousness in the community as a whole um all of that impacts Maverick and his life and I'm so happy you brought up the importance of Dre to the story because I really aside from being completely obsessed with Maverick, I loved um, Dre and Maverick's relationship so much. And as someone who didn't grow up with a father, um, those types of relationships meant so much to me coming up as well. Like having that older person who could teach me about um, like having someone who I look up to as a mentor who is older than me, but then still like Mm -hmm. um, not too far away from me that they are completely detached from my adolescent ass issues. Um, And I just think it was just, it's such a gift. Never undervalue those types of relationships because the way that Dre's life definitely helped to inform Maverick and um, Maverick watching Dre as a father, um, but also as a gang member um, and also Dre's relationship to his community. That is all who Maverick is in Concrete Rose and well, who he's trying to be in Concrete Rose, but who he ultimately becomes in The Hate You Give as well. Um, and one of the moments that sticks out to me most mm-hmm. is when they were riding in the car and, uh, Maverick and Dre start to talk about the Tupac, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> theories. Hell Mary by Tupac start on the stereo. That's my joint right there. Pac the greatest to ever do it. Hard to believe he'd been gone almost two years now. I remember when the radio announced he got shot in Vegas. I figured he'd be all right. He survived getting shot five times in New York. Dude was invincible. A few days later, he was dead. At least that's what they said. Yo, did you hear? Pac alive. Dre laughed. Get out of here. Next you gonna tell me the world ended in the year 2000. People already bugging over this Y2K stuff. Saying the year 2000 going to bring the apocalypse. We got to make it through 98 first. I don't know if that's true, I admit. They said on the radio that Pac lived in Cuba with his auntie Asada. 
the government had a hit on him. Come on, Mav. Bill Clinton wouldn't put a hit on Pop. Ma said Bill Clinton, the closest thing we may ever get to a Black president. Shit. I don't know, man. Pac's family full of Black Panthers, and he spoke so much truth. Word is, he'll come back in 2003. Why 2003? Dre says. It's seven years after he faked his death, I say. Pac got all these connections to the number seven. He was shot on the seventh. He died seven days after that, exactly seven months to the day that all eyes on me drop. That's a coincidence, Mav. Hear me out. He died at 4.03 p.m. Four plus three is seven. He was born on the 16th. One plus six, seven. Dre rubbed his chin. He was also 25 when he died. Right. Two plus five, seven. Then the name of his last album, that Machiavelli joint, the seven-day theory, says Dre. Exactly. I'm telling you, he planned this. Okay, let's say he did, Dre says. Why he focused on the number seven? Apparently, it's a holy number. I don't know. I shrug. I'll have to look more into that. Okay, well, I'll admit it. All that do seem planned out. But Pac not alive, Mav. You said it seemed planned out. Yeah, but only cowards hide and fake their deaths. Pac wasn't a coward. I don't care if the government wanted him dead. He would have gone out in a blaze of glory. True that. Pac was the definition of a writer. He wouldn't be hiding from nobody. All right, you got me there. And also, that is a very important moment to me because that is how Seven gets his eventually name. got his name. Yeah, because it means um, perfect. It's perfection. In, Maverick, yes. in Maverick's eyes, Seven so, is perfect. Right. So in that moment, like Maverick's drawing all these connections and then seven keeps popping up. But then he does further research on seven. And like you said, discovers like its true meaning and names his perfect little boy seven. And I just I also love Maverick so much because he was really he took intentional fatherhood to a, or parenthood to a whole other level, yeah. like down to giving his kids names that actually mean something and who they are to represent in the world. And I just thought, oh, because my name is Ashley, like basic as fuck. Like, I just love that so much. Maverick is just oh, he's everything to me. <laughs> He really is. Like, I don't, like I said, I don't know if I want him to be my, uh, my daddy or my zaddy, you know? I also, I truly think though, that is a testament to Angie's amazing writing because the connection that you feel with these characters, like how connected we are with Seven and his growth, Seven, with Maverick and his growth, with Star and her Mm -hmm. growth, with Lisa, with Dre, with, all these characters like she makes you care about these characters like you you genuinely root for them you're like just happy that like that they exist in this novel right Mm -hmm. and I think that that's just a testament because this is all based on another person's writing 
Yes, but okay. What I also love is that this is not historical fiction, right? But the fact that like this world is very real. Like all these things that she's talking about are very real. And she just created this life of characters, this web of characters, this beautiful community inside a world that we already know to be true. And I just think that that is like... That's good ass writing. That's good ass storytelling right there. Um, so kudos to Angie. She she did the damn thing with this one. She did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. Um, I think for, you know, and to just carry on like a part of the book that just really stood out for me was, um, you know, seven, oh, gosh, Maverick. I keep wanting to say seven. <laughs> Maverick. Like his daughter's star in The Hate You Give, he experiences tremendous loss in Concrete Rose and that his cousin Dre is murdered. And it like, it is such an emotional scene and it's so heartbreaking. And I think what's even more heartbreaking is Maverick realizing that his support system, his best friend, his confidant, like his, his, this huge figure in his life is no longer there. Just instantly is gone and how he deals with those emotions. And um, this is where I just adore the character of Mr. Wyatt because Maverick, you know, is working with Mr. Wyatt part-time and Mr. Wyatt kind of sees that this young guy, this young man is struggling, but he is, doesn't know how to express this emotion that he's feeling, this hurt. And, in Maverick's eyes, in order to be a real man and to show he's a man, he can't let this emotion out. He can't cry. And just that relationship where Maverick feels comfortable to to express his fears and his worries and his sadness. Hurry up, son. That garlic won't put itself in the ground. I could fall over. That's how tired I am. Mr. Wyatt, just a few more minutes, please. No, sir. Time is money. Money is time. And you wasting mine. Hey, that rhyme. Think I can be a rapper? A hip hop or a hippity hop? Ain't that how y'all do it? If he don't take his Dr. Seuss behind on somewhere, can I have some water? Mr. Wyatt sip his lemonade. Mmm, refreshing. What you need water for? I'm thirsty. No, you're not. That's the reefer talking. I'm not high no more. I'm thirsty. I need a break. Nah, now. Apparently, all you need is reefer. You were bold enough to show up to work high. You must have thought you needed it. I wanted to get Dre out of my head, aight? I ain't mean to snap, but it's enough to shut Mr. Wyatt up. He set his glass down and pat the spot beside him. Come here, son. I drop the hoe and go over there. As hard as this concrete bench is, it feel like the best thing ever. You wanted to get your cousin off your mind and you thought that drugs were the best way to do that? Mr. Wyatt asked. Not drugs, Mr. Wyatt, weed. Which is considered a drug, son, he says. It may not be harmful like the others, but it's illegal and you're only 17. You don't need to be getting high. I fold my arms on top of my lap. I told you I was trying to get Dre out of my head. Why? I look at him. Why would I want to think about that? That was my brother, and I saw him with a bullet. I shake my head. 
I can't think on that. Why? You a therapist or something? Why, he repeats. Cause I gotta keep pushing. I can't sit around crying over Dre. I gotta be a man. Mr. Wyatt don't say anything for a real long time. He sighs. Son, one of the biggest lies ever told is that black men don't feel emotions. Guess it's easier not to see us as a human when you think we're heartless. Fact of the matter is we feel things, hurt, pain, sadness, all of it. We got a right to show them feelings as much as anybody else. I stare at the ground, legs shaking like they ready to bolt me out of here. It ain't possible to run from all the things swirling inside of me. I've been trying since the day Dre died and I ain't got nowhere. Mr. Wyatt grabbed the back of my neck, strong enough to tell me he got me, but gentle enough to almost be a hug. Let it out, he says. The sound come out of me, and I don't know if I'm screaming or crying. I pull my shirt over my mouth, but that don't muffle the sobs. It only catches my tears. Mr. Wyatt wraps his arms around me. He holds me tight as if he know I'm breaking, and he trying to keep me together. It's okay, son, he says. No, it ain't. As long as my cousin is dead, it never will be. I think that was so beautiful. Like, I I just adored it. Like, I, I just loved that this older man who, you know, at face value, you think like, oh, he's an older guy. He's just probably thinks that these young kids are the worst, especially these kids affiliated with gangs. And it's not like that at all. Like he wants what's best for Maverick and for the rest of the kids in the community. And he, he does that. He tries to do that any way he can. Um, Mm. And I I just think that like that relationship is so it's unique and it's also just so important. And I think it, it was also um, a testament to, I think that relationship between Mr. Wyatt and Maverick is why we end up getting the Maverick Carter that we have in the hate you give the Maverick Carter who becomes an amazing father and amazing husband is because yeah, he had that's he had a Dre and a Mr. Wyatt in his adolescence. Yes. But that's like Garden Heights is the epitome of like um the saying like it takes a village. Yes. Boom. You like great minds right here <laughs> because like they like raised these kids together like Mm -hmm. they impacted these children's lives in such a positive way um in the midst of a ton of bullshit but they did it together and I just love it like I just love how we were saying in the hate you give what you were saying in the hate you give how um you get your hair cut by this person. You go to Mr. Ruben for the soul food. Yes. You go to Mr. Wyatt to get the groceries. And later you go to Mav, Big, Big Mav's store to get the groceries. You know, it's just, uh, that's like, that's like a dream community. And it reminds me of how we grew up when I lived in that town for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's like looking out everyone. for, yeah, everybody's looking out for everybody everybody's watching the kids play outside like they know you know it's it's a it's a safety in the community right it's like okay in the in garden heights yeah there's violence and there's gangs but there's also this inner nucleus that looks out for each other and and has each other's backs and i think that that is so beautiful and i think community is a a prominent theme throughout this book and it's community with you know everybody kind of getting together and helping maverick Ray seven, 
you know, from Mrs. Wyatt babysitting on days that he has to work at the grocery store to like his mom or, you know, Dre coming over to just like check on him and, and have some fun with him when he knows that his little cousin is just struggling with this new being like being new to fatherhood and feeling so overwhelmed and still being a high school student. It's just all of those things, I think, is truly what just makes this book so, so special. Is there something you want to advertise on Books We Should Have Read? Email us at info at booksweshouldhavered.com. That's info at booksweshouldhavered.com. Okay. So, Ashley, (laughs) what are you rating? Ashley, what are you rating this book? What are you, what you're rating? You already know. Uh, we, I think everybody I, knows, but we'll let you say it. I gave it five stars. Like, mm-hmm. to me, I don't want to say what you said last time because it really makes so much sense. But, like, the fact that Angie knew that we needed Maverick's story yes. is, like... It's just so awesome. Too often, you know, we get these stories and then we are dying to know the background of this character. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when people write that background, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But this one was one like, I, how should I say this? Aside from being completely obsessed with Maverick, I just love how... These two books, too, you can read them in any order and it will all still make sense to you. I was going to ask that. Like, do you have a suggestion? Like, do you like do you think that you could read them in any order? Because you read Concrete Rose first and then The Hate You Give. I read The Hate You Give and then Concrete Rose. And from our conversations, it doesn't seem it doesn't sound like either way you could read it and you'll still love this collect like the series and get as much of it get as much out of it as we did yeah I yeah I think you can honestly read it in any order it's like this book is just the cherry on top to me like you know like no the the hate you give isn't necessarily dependent on it and I I don't think I would have liked it as much if it was too heavily dependent on this but I just love how Angie's world building just comes to life even further in the concrete rows. Like you just see like this web of characters and how they really work and how um, Mr. It it makes me wonder too, did Angie already think that she was going to write this book before she wrote The Hate You Give or did she write them concurrently? Like, I don't know. Oh, that's a great point because what they came out like four or five years apart and I wonder when she was writing The Hate You Give, did she think, yo, I got Maverick's background story in my pocket? Like, because it is, like, it's just so good. It's so, like, a pre- prequels are hard to do. Like, I'm just be real. Like, mm-hmm. Prequels are very rarely good, to, in my opinion. Like, there's not like that. It's like a, a rarity that, pre- like, you get a prequel where you're like, damn, this was awesome. Yeah. I think, well, I mean, I guess... I don't know. So in the film world, we call them sides. Like when actors, they get their character 
and they have to create the background on this character themselves because they can they'll get like a few sentences on who this character is right Mm -hmm. but they then have to take it a step further and real in order to step into this character's shoes Mm -hmm. you have to build that world yourself yeah and I and I feel and with writing too when you're trying to decide when you're making your character list and you're drawing your web of how these characters are connected like you kind of already you do the same thing you create sides for these for these characters a lot of times and in my head, maybe when she was creating these sides, she like really went into Maverick. Like Maverick was probably like the character who kept calling her. And so then she created this dynamic story. And then we get with Maverick. Rose. But mm-hmm. yes, I just think everything in this book was needed. Nothing was too much or too little. Like she really tapped into her Toni Morrison bag with this one, mm-hmm. like in terms of like everything. I'm not going to give you too much. I'm not going to give you too little. Everything that I give you is just enough. Um, And that is why this book has five stars for me. How about you? So I agree with all your points. I gave this book uh, four and a half stars. I thought, I thought it was beautiful, right? Like I thought it was beautifully written uh, and it just made me want to root for Maverick constantly. Like, I I just rooted for him so hard. I gave it four and a half stars because, and it's it was nothing like about the story or the world building, anything like that. Because if you listen to the Hate You Give pod, uh, episode, I talked about it. Angie Thomas is phenomenal at this. I think it was just harder for me Um because she does, and this is good to do, but she writes in the voice of the characters. And it just was uh, hard because uh, vernacular-wise, like um, sometimes I would stumble over sentences and it would take me a, a long time to read the sentence. Like it would just, it was just a little bit more difficult for me. Um, so that was like one thing, but I understood why it was done, right? Like, so just for me, that was like the one thing that I was like, oh, I kind of wish... Like it wasn't so because it was more dialogue heavy and or even his inner Mm -hmm. monologue. He spoke his inner monologues. He would speak as his character would speak, which this is all makes sense. This is just me being like, that was one thing that gave me a little trouble. And that like, I just had to think like, was there anybody else that read this? And it's like the uh, Mavericks dialogue and pronounce like and uh what was the word I want to say? Not ebonics, but like you, yeah, just the way that he talks. Yeah, it's just, just the way like, he talks. It just was hard to. It mm-hmm. can be hard to read. Some for me, it was it was hard to read sometimes, but it's mm-hmm. still a flawless story. Phenomenal. Yeah, because ninety percent, I would say ninety percent of this book, maybe ninety five even percent of this book was a Maverick's inner monologue. Yes. Um which only leaves like 5% for the dialogue. So there's no like narration. <laughs> it's at all, all inner monologue. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. So yeah. that's, that's a, like, that was the thing that like, um, just was a little difficult for me. But other than that, like, I thought it was a, a great story. I think Angie Thomas is just phenomenal. I'm so glad that you added, you, you said like, I want to read these books for this collection. Cause I, I don't know. Like I never read anything 
by her prior to this and I'm just like, okay, now, now I want to read every book you write. So, mm-hmm. and that's and a great I think feeling. What's, yeah, what's what's left? Um, because she, well, the hate you give and concrete rose go together. Oops. Yes. I just moved my mic. The hate you give and concrete rose go together. But um, on the come up is a standalone story, right? I believe on the come up is standalone. I see on the come up and I see concrete rose. I don't see any other books. So oh, maybe so she's she a, does have these three novels. You, dude, mm-hmm. she she's, has these three novels. She's killing it and she's writing consistently. Like she's putting out a book. Like it looks like she's putting out a book every two years. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she's just, and her stuff is getting optioned. Cause I think on the come up is they're They're making a TV show. I heard about that too. Yep. Go ahead. And, and I'm so, so proud of you, girl. I feel like baby she's girl is busy booked and busy. And I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like she's like, you know, like that cut, like one of your cousins who's just like out there doing a thing. You super proud. Like that's how I feel whenever I think about her and her books and her writing. So I'm going to have to read on the come up because. And on top of that, she's beautiful. So like there's that. Like oh my how gosh. good looking and an author and, and, a, and a New York Times bestselling know, author. Like, right? God, yeah, and she... an actual good writer. <laughs> Yo, wait. <laughs> she's talented, super creative, and she's gorgeous. She didn't want to say nothing for nobody else. Like she was like, no, nah, I'm going to take all this. Y'all good. <laughs> Period. Get, get all the coins. Get all, get all the awards, girl. We're so proud of you. We are. Um, phenomenal. Yeah, I think that's it. Our next episode is going to be on Sister Soldier's classic novel, um, The Coldest Winter Ever. And yeah, so, guys. yeah, you guys can catch us in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, catch us um, in two weeks. And we will be back with The Coldest Winter Ever. Can't wait to talk about that, that novel with you because... Um, Lots of feelings there and revisits. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of them. All right, y'all. Bye. Bye, guys. Hey, guys. Don't forget to like, review, and subscribe to Books We Should Have Read. And don't forget to leave suggestions for books you would like us to read for future collections. This podcast is a Books We Should Have Read production with sound engineering and editing by About Right Media, the dope-ass track you hear in the background was produced by Ty.2. That's Ty, T-Y, dot, the number two, W-O, on Instagram. Hey, Ty. Follow Books We Should Have Read on Instagram at Books We Should Have Read to stay up to date with all the BWSR happenings. Follow Ashley at Bashweiser on Instagram and me at Kelly Likes to Read on Instagram. If you like what you heard and you want to support this Black woman-owned and operated movement financially, there is an anchor link in the show notes where you can do just that. Any and everything is welcome and appreciated. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye, y'all.